Yeah, if you're visiting here, this is your first time, uh, welcome. Um, you've come to a, a special day for us, a little bit <clears throat> different on how we're going to handle it. Um, at the end, I'll close with a short teaching. But we want to take some time to do what the Bible often calls us to do, and that's to remember. Um, and to have a, a chance to look back at, at how um, we got here and how the Lord did this work. And so we want to look back, and we're going to also glean some lessons from Nehemiah. Your notes are right in there. And so this is my wife, Rebecca, in case you don't know. And um, she's going to help to remember and, and just give you a little bit of a perspective on what was, what was going on in her heart and mind while things were being announced to her by me. And, um, and just how all of that fits together. So we want to be thankful this morning. We want to be thankful to the Lord. I realize that's an obvious Christian thing to say, but I want to say it. We are thankful to Jesus Christ for what he's done. He is the only one that builds his church. It's Jesus and him alone. We want to give him glory, and um, we also want to just allow this, as we look back, to just propel us to move forward. So you may be coming in. Most of you will be coming in here, and you won't recognize these pictures, and you may not be familiar with some of these names. And um, I don't want you to feel like you've missed out on anything because the Lord is continuing to work, and he has many great things that he still wants to do. So I just want to give you a little bit of history, and then I'm going to have Rebecca join in um, whenever she wants to as well. But um, it's hard to know where to pick up the story and how much to share. So I'm going to, I decided to pick it up. We have just come back from the mission field in Australia after two and a half years. Um, we're up in living at mom and dad's house back in my old bedroom with my wife. Um, <laughs> Not what we were planning on after two and a half or two years of marriage, I guess, would have been two and a half, about two years, um, and just waiting on the Lord. And then I got a call from a, a friend um, who was, uh, was a youth pastor down at Calvary Chapel Vista. He said, why don't you come down and help me out? I went down, I interviewed, went to you know, a couple of the events, and it was offered to me, and I actually said no. Just because I, I didn't, I just didn't, it didn't seem like that's what the Lord was doing. I was getting counsel from other people that that probably was not the best thing. And then I was driving, so I said no, and I was driving down the road, and uh, Brian Broderson came on the radio. He was the pastor of that church, and he said, he goes, you know, the vision that I have is to see as many young people um, come to, young men come to this church, be raised up, and I want to send them out. I want to plant churches all over the United States and all over the world. That's our heart. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. So I didn't see how going there was going to help. But when, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, I've got to, I got to call my friend. I called Rob up. He's the pastor of Calvary Chapel Vista now. And I said, Rob, I think I spoke prematurely. Would you give me another chance to consider? And he said, he goes, let me see. And so eventually I ended up coming on staff there. And um, I probably three years later, there was a men's retreat, and at one of our just kind of encounter services, waiting upon the Lord, the Lord put a passage on my heart that I'm going to read to you in just a moment. And I thought, oh, I need to share this because it came upon me in such a strong way. Like, I got to share this. This is for somebody. And as I contemplated when to share it and, you know, should I share it, the Lord just said, no, this is for you. This is not for somebody else. I'm saying this to you the, to this evening. 
And, and when, I, when I read this, what you need to know is that um, this passage was in direct connection with um, the Lord saying to me, you need to go and start a church. And um, we had believed that coming back from Australia. Um, that's what we wanted to do. That's what we believe the Lord was calling us to do. But we were so thankful for our time at Vista because I was able to grow in a lot of ways um, in, that, in those four years and being on staff. So when we came out here, I was only 27 years old. Um, but this is the passage. It's Isaiah 54, 1 through 4. It says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Uh, like at that point, we didn't even have a tent. <laughs> and stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. You shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither to be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So much of that was just, when I understood the Lord was saying this about us going out, my heart was filled with so much joy, and I'm like, Lord, are you saying that we're going to go do this, and this is going to be a fruitful ministry? And I really believe that, although we had very little information. So I picked up a payphone right after that meeting. Does anybody know what a payphone is? Okay. And I got coins, and I put it in there, and I called home and um, she answered a telephone that has a cord and um, and I said I got to share this verse with you and I shared that to you I don't know if you want to just kind of communicate how that hit you you're yeah. at home with probably Tyler yeah probably just yeah just, just Tyler, Tyler, our yeah. oldest child um, well <laughs> it hit me with excitement really to be to be honest I think sometimes the reality of of the step of faith, you know, kind of hits you a little bit later. But I only had joy, honestly. It was an excitement because we were always wanting to be where the Lord was working. We always were like, we just want to be on the edge of what God's doing. You know, we'd read a lot of missionary stories, and we, of course, knew the scriptures. And we were like, what is our story going to look like? What is the Lord going to do? And what is that going to look like? We had had a first chapter in Australia where we were helping to start a, a, a Calvary um, in the Sydney difficult. area. It was really like a boot camp of ministry. We were 21 when we got married and moved to Australia to do that. And so we were young, and um, we're not as young now, but um, <laughs> we were young then, and uh, so we had a lot to learn. But, uh, you know, as that hit me, it, it was like, okay, well, Lord, what is it going to look like then? Where are we going? What are we doing? We just needed to fill in some of the blanks. But honestly, uh, it was an excitement because I always feel like whenever the Lord... You know, he wants to use me. He wants to use our lives. I mean, that's just a privilege. It's just an honor that we, all of us in this room, we get to represent Christ. Whatever that looks like, it's a privilege. It's an honor. And it's just like, I want to I want to be poured out. I want to be used for eternal things. And so uh, it was a wonderful thing. That's one of the scriptures the Lord gave me, that, not that night, but soon after, was Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so the Lord brings me back to that kind of scripture often when it's a difficult day, mm -hmm. right? Doesn't he remind you of the promises we just sang? All your promises are yes and amen. And so it brings me back to that. But anyway, that's kind of how it, how it hit me. It yeah, was, was really a, with was joy and it didn't it feel exciting. like a sacrifice. It didn't feel we didn't, like. We didn't have any idea what it meant or what it was going to look like, but just the Lord saying and that. And that was a confirmation of what we had already felt. And there had been others around us that had encouraged us in this. So... Um, 
but when I read this one, it wasn't like you're going to go do this. It was like, I'm going to bless the work that you're going to do. And we held it very cautiously. Because, you know, you can, you can want the scriptures to say something sometimes. And we can pull them out of the context. Obviously, this is way out of context from Isaiah. But it's how the Lord was ministering. And so we, we held it carefully. And um, over the years, we have had, and we never shared this verse with anybody. But over the years, I cannot tell you. If I've had one passage shared with me more than any other passage, it's Isaiah 54. From other people who do not know. They say, hey, I've got this verse for you. I've got this verse for you. And it always would encourage our hearts. Well, not long after that, I was uh, then the missions pastor at Calvary Chapel Vista, no longer the youth pastor. And um, so I was out on a mission trip, and the Lord really made it clear that when I got back, it was time to look to go out and actually start planting the church. So this is probably three and a half years after we had gone on staff. And um, when I got back, Brian, the pastor there, um, he said, hey, come on in, tell me about the trip. So I went into his office and began to share and he says, you know what? The Lord awakened me so many times through the night while you were gone. And I found myself praying for you and, um, and just that. And he says, but you know what the Lord showed me while I was being awakened was it's time for you to go plant a church. And he goes, what do you think? And I said, the Lord shared the same thing with me while I was there. I go, hang on a second. I go, I've got to go get something. So I ran to my office. I grabbed it and I came back and um, I handed him a piece of paper. And um, what was written on there was from a young college student. And he said, um, he had borrowed my guitar. We actually were the first worship uh, leading team of Calvary Chapel Lynchburg. Yet so. the church survived. And it it's still amazing. survived, yeah. Eric. Be glad. You're like, oh, do it again. Nah, you don't want that. There's, you don't want that. But um, this uh, young college student um, had borrowed uh, my guitar and um, had returned it while I was gone. And um, he had left a note. And he said, hey, if you ever go to Planet Church, I'm your worship leader. Let me know. And that is Jason who led us worship and worship um, this morning. And so I gave that to Brian. He's like, well, you got your worship leader. Now we need to find a place for you to go. So, um, yeah, we eventually stepped forward. And um, when we came from Vista, we had, um, can you show a picture? There's a handful of people that um, came with us. And this is probably maybe a year or so in. And um, it's two years. Okay, so two years in, but it's the team that came out with us uh, for the most part. And, um, you know, we were trusted with people to, to go out to Virginia with. Um, they gave us, which was unprecedented, um, they gave us like $25,000 and said, go take care of it. And so we stepped out. And um, the next slide is a picture of the inside of that building. That is our first little sanctuary. Um, yeah, it's not very big. Let's see, actually, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it's probably about uh, 15 feet or so across. Um, but we had a hallway on the other side. It was this narrow little space, but we were so excited to have it. And that first Sunday, um, there was about 22 people there. And, uh, counting every single head. Trust yeah, me, yeah, we knew yeah. exactly how many were in that sanctuary that morning. <laughs> it was easy to do because yeah. you needed to know how many people you needed reservations for at the restaurant you're going to after church because we all went together. So um, that's how it worked. And um, then after um, a handful of years, we moved into a new place, um, which is actually the Hope Company it meets in this facility. And that's the way it looked when we moved in. Um, and so that was my uh, thorn in the flesh was having pink carpet. 
pink pews and the worst looking chandeliers you've ever seen anywhere. For years we had those things, but we had no money and they were in such great shape, unfortunately, we couldn't justify <laughs> doing anything with them. And so every one of my friends that would come and say, you have got to change this story. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. But So um, we came out and we're so thankful for the team that came with us. The next slide um, is this building here. And so um, you, you know what you're sitting inside of, but you don't know what it looked like maybe when it began, unless you happened to be driving through. And so everything was ripped out, and we did this. And this is how the Lord has led us, key, key moments of our growth and the need to find a new place. Yeah, every one of those pictures, and there are many in between, but those are all little steps of faith. You know, they're all, when we moved here, it was a big step of faith. When we had that little sanctuary with those very uncomfortable chairs, Oh we, had, we were so happy and joyful to be able to do it, but it was a stretch. And then it was, well, we want to have to expand a little, and, and uh, we want to rent the next unit next door. Oh, you know, how is that going to happen? And the Lord just being so faithful every single time to lead and guide yeah. and, and go stretch out a little bit more. You know, stretch out a little bit more. It's like a muscle you have to stretch. And uh, every, every single one, you know. And when we moved to Leesville Road and renovated that whole thing, um, I thought, well, we're done with our steps of faith. <laughs> we'll just settle here, and we're good. And then the Lord was like, now we're going to move you again. And, and it was another step of faith to be moving here and to yeah. move into this. And, um, but the Lord works with you, and he walks alongside you and uh, stretches you and shows his faithfulness so you can put that foot out one more time yeah. uh, on that ground. You know, just the picture. If you go back to that second picture where it's just an empty little room, the chairs that you see in there, those chairs were actually purchased inside this building here when it was um, a furniture office supply house. And so I remember walking through this place and um, uh, just negotiating with this guy to try and get these things. I think we ended up getting them for like five bucks a chair or something like that. And we had to repair every single one of them. But it's just kind of, it's just kind of interesting to think, oh, those are the pictures, you know, that, that, that picture is... Those chairs that were purchased inside here before we were renovated. Well, you know, Beck, how, how did you feel on that Sunday morning? We had, of course, talked much about this and prayed. But on that Sunday morning when I came up and I said, the Lord just told me we're moving to, to Lynchburg, Virginia. Well, I was asleep. So I had to wake yeah. up first. He I figured it was an up. easier chance of getting a thumbs up that way. but. <laughs> Going to first service and the church had three, so I think I was like, went to second or whatever. And so uh, I had to find him at church and say, "Did you say we are going or we're not going to Lynchburg?" And so once I got the yes, that's where we're going. I, you know, it was just nice to have a place. And I hate to say this because as much as I love Lynchburg, I really, we truly love here. We love yeah. being here. We just love Lynchburg. Um, but I had not heard of it. I hadn't ever been here. I didn't know anything about it. And um, so it was going to be very, very blind for me, especially. He, had, he came out um, on a little spying tour for a few days and met, with, mm -hmm, and met with Jane, uh, Joe and Jeannie Palmer, who were with us. The they, were, they were here before we were um, praying for a pastor to come and serve. So. Um, but, you know, honestly, I just, again, I just felt really privileged that the Lord would call us. And, you know, we did leave. We left home and hearth and family. I mean, I had been raised, born and raised in Southern California, got saved at Costa Mesa, got baptized, got... Um, uh, got to serve, got grounded in the Word of married. God. I got married. Yeah, I got married. Uh, and <laughs> I was getting to that one. Yeah. But um, 
<laughs> a lot of important events, and all my family was there and everything, and the beach is there. You know, there's a lot of things. But um, none of that made any difference when the Lord said, I want you to go do this thing. It was like, yes, Lord, let's go and do it. And I was excited. Again, what's our story going to be? Lord, what do you want to do? And if it was there, that would have been great. But we were excited to move a new place and see what the Lord had done. We had been taught very biblically, where God guides, God provides. And that doesn't just mean financial. That means emotional and spiritual and, and family, you know. And the Lord brought me many times to Mark 10, 29. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. I skipped over the persecutions part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that came a little bit, but not anything like the, what the biblical people felt. But, um, so, you know what? The Lord provided such a beautiful church family from the beginning for us, even though it was a lot smaller. It was so dear. We did all go to lunch after church, you know, and I mean, we still have relationships. Many of them still are still here serving. They've been here as long as we have. And um, so, yeah, I just the Lord just keeps giving his word to you to teach you and help you and know that this is true still and it's true for you. And so, um, yeah, I was excited. I was I I knew yeah. it was going to mean something sacrifice wise but it didn't feel like that at all there was joy in our heart there yeah. was anticipation there wasn't reluctance you know we had already been on the mission field and we wanted to to go back out and um and we had actually even before we decided on lynchburg i got one day brian pops his head into my office he goes hungry pray about hungry and he closes the door and walks away and i'm like i picked up i said i think brian just asked if we will go to hungry and um, I said, I don't think we're supposed to go there, but let's pray about it. And then he came back and says, you know what, never mind. That's not of the Lord. So <laughs> there was, we, we were praying through all kinds of uh, possible destinations uh, to go. But as we uh, committed to go and, be, and realized I was going to have to get a job and needed to find a house, we had the newspaper uh, mailed to our house in Oceanside, the newspaper from here, News in Advance, mailed to our house out in California because there was no Internet. So you didn't look things up. You know, I, I wrote to the Chamber of Commerce. They sent a packet of information. Um, and I read that probably 10 times. We had, you know, a map out atlas trying to see what the population was of the surrounding area. You know, th so there wasn't a lot of information you could get, as in none, online. There was no online. You know, there was, you just, you mailed for things. So the papers coming in was a big help because it gave us a little window into the community. However... When those came in, it was incredibly discouraging because we were living in Southern California and um, we had two children at the time. And, um, you know, the pay scale out in Southern California is a little different than Lynchburg, Virginia, especially back in 1994. To the tune of, I was making more as a junior in high school than anything I could see in the newspaper because I, you know, I didn't, all I had done is ministry. I had no marketable skills. All I had done was missionary, you teach the Bible, you know, lead youth groups, that was it. So it was very limited opportunity, um, and it was very discouraging. And why don't you kind of just chime in on that, that point there? Yeah, well, I mean, it was really discouraging for, for him as the, the 
provider, you know, of the family. And even though he was a man of faith, it was it was tough to look at those numbers and try to do the math and go, how am I going to provide for a wife and two children in, in that context? And even though we knew the word of God, it was, you know, still a challenge. Um, but uh, the Lord had already spoken to my heart prior to his um, about the fact that when we got here, he was not going to be working a full time job. I just I just knew that that was not going to happen. And that wasn't, oh, the church is going to explode in a month and it's all going to be plenty of money. It wasn't really that at all. It was just the Lord's going to take care of it and provide it. And um, I knew that I was probably going to do some work, too. And so that's kind of what happened. But then one of the days when he came to me very um, humbly and very um, nervous, I think, a little bit, and he was just like, honey, I don't, I don't, the Lord's told me, I, I just don't think I'm going to be working when we get out there. And, and much to his, I think, relief, I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I know. The Lord's already told me that. He was like, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> because he was afraid I was going to yeah. get upset that, you know, he wasn't going to be working. What do you mean? You're not going to work, you know, um, because this man will work all day, every day, seven days a week, forever, if he needs to. That's just who he is. And so for him to hear that from the Lord was was humbling, really, for it was, you. It was hard. More than anything. It was mm -hmm. to think. I was like, what kind of prideful man do you think you are that you're going to go out to a brand new church plant and you're not going to have to work? And I, I was like rebuking myself in that. But as we got here, I didn't have to work. The Lord provided. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was tight. It was close. And she worked at J. Crew, And, you know, we, we did what we could. Um, but. Um, we didn't have to work until a few years in when we went through a renovation project at that little building you saw. And um, um, so then we, we got strapped and I had to go out and um, the job that I ended up having, and a lot of you know this, was delivering those papers that were being mailed to my house. So if I ever write a book, one of the chapters will be Pastor Troy the Paper Boy. So for over a year, I delivered those papers, and uh, we were very thankful for that provision, and then I was able to. So, but these are some key moments that are, that are going on in our heart and our life. And, um, you and know. This is the abbreviated version, Very too. abbreviated, Of course, yeah. there were stretching days and hard days and tears and, you know, all of those things going on as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. That's the long version, not for Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, the challenges, you know, were being, uh, watching People over the years that you know and love, you feel the same way I do. It's no different. But as you labor and watching people you know and love no longer walk with Jesus, those are hard. Those are really, really hard days. Um, the fear of failure, again, that was a big one um, as a challenge. I'll talk more about that later. Um, and then watching others have quick success when you're laboring long with very little to show what's going on. I, can, I mean, I think you all can relate to that, but just as a, as a pastor and some of you are pouring everything of your, your, that you have into this, and then in some cases you're watching people where you know their story and you're like, they're living in sin, and their church is growing like crazy, and just having to deal with that kind of knowledge um, and just, you know, like, what did I do? What's wrong? And so the, these were the challenging days yeah. that we I had. Went, I went to a pastor's wives conference and went up to this woman who I don't know whose husband's been, they've been in ministry for many years. And, and I was just crying. I said, I think I'm the weakest link. 
I said, because I know he's awesome. The board is awesome. They're, the elders are godly and they're right. And I know there's no sin in the camp. So it must be me. So isn't that interesting how the enemy just wants to come in and go, oh, it's your fault that the church won't get kind of over this hump, you know, of just where it was just this constant doing so many things. And we've done and aside from Sunday morning, I've done everything there is to do in the, in the church, not because I'm so awesome, but because, you know, you feel the need, right? You're coming and you're serving. But, um, you know, w- those challenging days, we had a season where it was just like, what are we even doing? Like the first time really we've ever felt that way. And the Lord walked us through it and it didn't last very long. Yeah. And he moved us on and basically said what Troy taught last week, which was what the Lord told. Um, what did he tell that Elijah. to? <laughs> Elijah, get up. Right? Get up and get back to work. And so, but yeah, there are those, those challenging times where you're like, what's going on with us? Why is this not happening? It must be me. That's the problem. It's just, yeah, just, it's, it definitely humbled us in, on many occasions. But wait, I have to say really quick, sorry. Her answer, the godly woman that I spoke oh, yeah. to, she said, this is not about you. She goes, it's God's work. God's going to do it how he wants to do it. He's going to build it. And the Lord reminded me of a scripture he had given to us years ago and continues to give to us. Mm. Unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain, right? Um, and, and the watchman um, watches in vain unless the Lord's guarding the gate, right? So if the Lord's not building it, then, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. But he's going to build it how he wants to do it. And so, gosh, that was such a good lesson for me to just let go and go. It doesn't matter what happens. And uh, anyway, it's God's work. Yeah. As we look back over the 28 years, um, you know, some things that stand out to me, and I got the calculator out and tried to do a little bit of math, and I thought, how many Bible studies have I taught in 28 years? And um, it's about 2,800 Bible studies. And we've gone through, uh, we're four and a half times through the New Testament, we've just started the fourth time through the Old Testament. But then I also thought, well, I wonder how many meetings we have. That's what I've done. But I wonder how many meetings we've had, you know, outside of the Sunday morning and the Wednesday night. And so then if you include the Sunday night and then the home fellowships and the men's ministry and the women's ministry. And you just count them as one because there's probably 15 home fellowships. You know, well over, what do we say, well over 7,000, over 7,200 meetings have happened where Jesus has been at the center of why we gathered and um, what I love about that number is there's more of you doing the work and making that number go up than me. And that is the goal, is that it's, a, it's the work of the church. My job is to equip the church for the work of ministry. You do the work of ministry. And as we, as we, if the Lord tarries in his return and we continue to press on, I pray that that number will get wider and wider and wider apart because that means um, the church is functioning as she should. Uh, we've seen over a dozen guys or about a dozen guys go out to either take over churches or plant churches. Uh, uh, Nanda and Lisa Geary, who have served so faithfully in Nepal and are back here right now, um, recently put out an, an update of the work. And we partnered closely with them um, as they went in uh, to train over in Nepal. We've done a lot of the work um, alongside of them. But what they have done is they've trained over 700 pastors They've seen 125 churches come out of their efforts, and over 350 have been indirectly planted. And this is their, you know, their faithfulness, their labor, Ramesh and Prakash and the team that's over in Nepal. But um, you know, it's been a part of us as well, joining and standing with them. And these are the great things that we can look back on. We have a, this radio station. We've taken trips to Russia and Nepal and India and Costa Rica. 
and Uganda and the Philippines and Chile and Georgia and Belize and Thailand and Israel and England and the list goes on and on and on of places that we have gone. And um, I, you know, probably three quarters of a million air miles. That's what that is. I was looking through some of my lifetime statements. I'm like, oh my goodness, I've been gone a lot. But you know, this is the desire is to, to take the gospel and to get out, to get out. And um, the Lord has allowed us to do that. So I don't know if maybe you can just talk a little bit right here and we'll close it up. And I want to share a few things from the word just about the, the personal touches that we've had with people. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. We started out so small. And so because we started out so small, it still feels really small to us, even though I look in the room and I go, I don't know that section. You know, it just doesn't feel that way to us. We just we um, we love what the Lord has done. We love being here. Um, God has certainly grown us and taught us. And um, we've just tried to love the people that God has brought. We we love you. We want you to know the Lord. We want you to know his word Sorry, is sufficient for your life that all those promises are for you and whatever step of faith you want to take, whether it seems really small to you or whether it's huge, um, God is faithful to meet you. He's faithful to strengthen you. He's faithful to every promise he gives you. And he wants to use your life. Ladies, if you have a husband that wants to serve the Lord, it doesn't have to look like this. It probably won't look like this. Don't ever um, hold him back from that. Be the woman that is seeking the Lord because you know what? You're yoked together with him on purpose. God has plans and he wants to do something in your life and in, through your life and whatever that might look like. And if you're a single man or woman in the room, seek the Lord with all of your heart because he has such wonderful, exciting things. We can't even believe it's been almost three decades because yeah. we think that we're only 28. <laughs> not, that, <laughs> not that the church is 28 because we were 20, he was 27, I was 28 when we moved out here. So we were young when we started and um, I don't know, God is, the, 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 the theme of the day really is just that God is so faithful. He's so good. He's building this church. He's building you. You know, we want to see us walk closer with the Lord, and we always want to continue with what we've been doing since the first day, which is exactly what we still do. We don't do anything different. Mm -hmm. It's exactly, Jason's still leading worship, and Troy's still teaching the Bible. And uh, it's the same. It's exactly the same. So it's just different because there's more seats in the room. Um, but anyway, I don't know. We love you yeah. guys. We we do, yeah. and I, I think just to tag on to that, and if there were less seats in the room or just like it was, we still would yeah. be doing it the yeah. same way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not a, this isn't like how to grow the church approach. We, we took it as how do we go be faithful to the Lord right. in planting a church. Right. And so um, that's why there's been the commitment to the Word and to the mm -hmm. ministry of the Holy Spirit and to prayer and to fellowship and, and sharing the gospel. Mm -hmm. But we, we definitely love you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Glory to the Lord. We just want to keep exalting Jesus, not a great pastor or a cool room mm -hmm. or a good worship team, even though all that's true. It's, it's about exalting the Lord I'm Jesus. I'm a cool pastor. You are oh, so cool. Okay, just... <laughs> 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 I haven't heard that one yet. But... I, know. I know. I tell our kids that all the time. I'm like, we are, aren't we cool? And they're like, yeah, you're cool. Yeah, you're cool, Mom. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, we just want the Lord to be exalted in your life, in our lives, and in this place all the time. So yeah. that's what we're yeah. going to keep doing, and we love you. So I just want to share four quick points um, as, yeah, thank you, honey, thanks. Four quick points I want to share from the book of Nehemiah. <clears throat> and first one comes from chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. And these are the lessons that I've learned over the years 
in ministry, gleaning from the book of Nehemiah. And number one is to stand strong in the face of discouragement. So we shared a little bit about that with you. But we read in Nehemiah 2.19, When Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, that is, they're rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So one of the things that is in this life, this walk we have with the Lord, and then when you step out and you serve in um, some capacity of of your giftedness that the Lord has given to each and every one of you, is you're going to have to deal with discouragement. And all of us deal with it differently. For some of us, this is a place where the enemy can really come in and he can, you know, do good work. For others of us, maybe we're able to stand a little bit better. But we're all going to experience this. And when we rolled into town, the very first conversation I had with another pastor was, what are you doing here? We actually were hanging the sign at the building, which is just right, right over there. Um, and he said, what are, you, what are you doing here? I said, well, we're here at Planted Church. He goes, you're crazy. He says, I've been here for however many years. He says, I'm leaving. My advice to you is pack your bags and get out of this town as fast as you can. This is a terrible place to try and pastor a church. And he goes, what do you want to do in ministry? I said, well, I said, we're just going to teach through the Bible. He says, expository preaching? I said, yeah. He says, good luck. Nobody will ever listen to you. I was like, well, I said, I'm here and we're staying So if it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard, but this is what the Lord has called us to do. A couple of years later, I was out in Walmart, and this man walked up to me and said, and I knew him through a mutual friend, and um, he said, hey, are you still pastoring that rinky-dink church? That's exactly what he said to me. And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well... He goes, why don't you just close the doors and come over to, and he named his church. And I won't name it because it doesn't reflect the heart of that pastor at all. This is just a guy being used by Satan. That's what it was. And to discourage me. And he said, uh, yeah, he goes, you know, he goes, probably what you, you give in tithe, if you, actually, what you give to support missions, if you even give anything to support missions, probably wouldn't keep any missionary on the field for more than one day. Well, his math probably was accurate. (laughs) But of course, we know about loaves and fishes. We know about how the Lord works. And, um, you know, I imagine probably this year we'll be close to giving 200,000 to missions. And so the Lord um, was was doing tests. Testings were happening in my heart, in this young pastor's heart. And so he said a lot of, you know, just rude things like that and, it was everything I could do to contain myself. You've heard me, I've shared openly, you know, one of the great works that God has done in my life is given me the, by his grace and spirit, to control my temper. And um, I had all kinds of thoughts at that moment, and I can assure you none of them were godly or right. But by his grace, I said and did the right thing, but I walked away, and I was, I, have you ever been so insulted you're almost like numb in the face? And that's just, I just, I, could, I couldn't even like feel my face. There was so much, you know, um, adrenaline rushing through. And then it wasn't long after that, that a young teen who had been going to our church and the family left and they were at another church had come back to our building uh, during the mid, uh, just during the middle of the week and was meeting with somebody. It, it could have been meeting with Jason, I, I, I don't recall. 
And um, he came in and he said, hey, he goes, hey, Pastor Troy, you know, we're going to this other church. And, and I said, yeah. I said, um, yeah, I hope, it, I hope it's going well. He goes, it is. He goes, you know, they were talking about you the other day. And they said that there's nothing significant going on at Calvary Chapel Lynchburg and God's not really doing anything there. And, um, and I wanted to respond and say with all these, we baptized 25, we sent out 10 on missions, we had 100. You know, I couldn't say any of those things. It was a small work that was being established. And it wasn't God wasn't doing anything. It just, when you're challenged like that, the measurables you can answer as a small church, they don't mean anything in that moment. And probably they shouldn't mean anything at any moment. But I had nothing to say except for, you know what? God is doing a good work here. And um, that is not true. But as I walked away, and I don't know if that was really ever said, but as he re reported it to me, it was the leadership of this church that had said that. And I was so devastated. I was like, oh, man. Is this, is there anything, what's going on? And I had to stand fast in the face of discouragement. You do too. You have to stand, stand fast in the face of the discouragement that comes your way. And you got to believe, like it says in chapter 2, verse 20, the God of heaven will prosper us. If God wants this work to be something that will bring glory and honor to him and impact and touch more lives, then fine. But you know, here's the, here's the little known fact. The average-sized church in the United States is 75 people. And we better be very careful when we begin to measure the worthiness of a work by the number of people that are attending. Because what are we saying about all those faithful laborers? You know, there are places in the world where they work hard to keep the church under 25 so they're not found out and persecuted. So we, we really have to be careful with our, our mindset. The enemy loves to discourage. He loves to belittle what we put our hands to. Secondly, uh, Nehemiah 6, 1 through 4, don't get distracted. Um, Sanballat, the same group of guys, Tobiah and Geshem the Arab, come and they try and call Nehemiah down and away from the work. And we read there at verse 2, They sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of what? Oh, no. That's all you got to know right there. You don't go to that spot. Um, but he says, he says, they wanted to do me harm. So I sent messengers saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. You are going to have to repeatedly stand in your walk with Jesus Christ and in your ministry and say, I will not come down. I will not go into that place where you want to harm me. And there are so many distractions that the enemy will put out to try and lure you away from a faithful walk with the Lord and from faithful ministry. And it is always to do you harm. Satan does not care about your relaxation. Satan does not care about your pleasure. Satan does not care about your happiness or your joy. He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And so when he comes to discourage us, and or distract us, we need to stand fast and not be led away to the many worthy social causes, and I'm speaking for myself, that have, you can come up to the self-indulgent distractions that can be outright sinful or trying to protect your name or build your name. It's the name of Jesus that we, we build, not our own. Or just okay pursuits, pursuits that are not excellent, 
It's not what God's called you to do. These are the things that will distract us. And we must remain steadfast. So don't become discouraged and don't become distracted. Thirdly, still in chapter 6, verses 8 through 14, but I'm just going to read verse 13 to you. And here we see that we need to lead from the place of faith, not fear. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way in sin, and that is run into the temple and hide, so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. You know, they tried to make Nehemiah afraid and said, you're going to get killed, so if you need to come into the temple, you need to lock yourself in there, and then you'll be safe. But this is what you need to know, is that we are a people of faith, and we never make decisions from a place of fear. 99.9 times out of 100, when you make a decision out of fear, it will be the wrong decision. We're a people of faith. And so he responds in faith. But you got to know that this is what the enemy is trying to always lure us into. It's, it's what I shared. It's like, you know, I'm leaving Vista with a team of people and $25,000. And I felt the pressure of don't fail. And I felt the pressure as I shared last week. How is anybody going to even know? How are people going to show up? And I felt this, this, and I could envision myself coming back to Vista defeated with no money and a, you know, a ragtag group of people that are, that are equally beat up and disappointed. And that's what was in my mind. And that was a real fear that this 27-year-old had. And, um, but I knew that that was not of the Lord, so I made the decision from faith. And there's been many times, but that's true for you in your walk with Jesus Christ. And that's true for you in whatever you put your hand to. As it is, I believe God's calling me. Now, do I, did I know for a fact that God was going to, that what I believed he was calling me to do, did I know as a fact that it was going to result in anything that looked like this or anything at all? I didn't know that as a fact. I took a step of faith. And as I've shared many times before, I like to define faith as a strong maybe. And I take that as biblical. When Jonathan said to his armor bearer, hey, let's go take on these Philistines, he says, it may be that God will deliver them into our hands. Faith is a strong maybe. You don't know. Now, I can look back now and say, oh, that was the Lord. But you know, when you're stepping out, you don't know. And that's what faith is all about. Don't allow the Lord to keep you from what he wants you to do. Lastly, Nehemiah 6, verses 15 and 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul. In 52 days, they built this wall. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things and they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. The point here is labor until the work is done. Don't quit what God has called you to do. Don't quit. See it to the end. I, there are many times where I wondered, should I be here? Should I stay here? Should I go somewhere else? And the Lord would encourage me from a verse in Jeremiah that said, if the footmen have wearied you, how will you run with the horses? And the Lord would come and say, Troy, you're getting worn out right now, and we haven't even began to run. Strengthen yourself. There's much more to do, and it's going to get harder, and you're going to have to run harder, and you're going to have to run faster. Don't quit now. Wait. There's a good work that's going to come. And I say this, um, you know, I, 
and I'm not like self-focused when I say this. I just I want to I want to be able to share. When I look at myself, I don't see myself as somebody that possesses all these great talents and charismatic and you know is the most gregarious and funny. I, I don't see myself that way, um, and I don't despise who God has made me to be either. I've I've learned I have learned to become comfortable with who I am and what God's called me to do, and I don't feel like I have the the greatest skills. I'm like better at this and teaching and preaching than this person or that person. But there's two things I guess I said last service. I said there was one. I'll say there's two things. One, I am committed to teaching the Word of God, and I'm going to do that. If there's one person here, I'm going to teach the Word of God. But the second thing is. Is God, by his grace, has made me very tenacious in what I'm doing. And that I, I've, I've endured. And I can look at some of my friends and others that I know in ministry that are far more gifted, far more um, talented, if you will, but they are nowhere to be seen on the scene anymore because they didn't have endurance in the Lord. And, and I, I say that because if you're looking at yourself and you're discounting yourself and you're looking at people around you that seem to have more talents, more gifts, more abilities, and all the rest, this is what I want to say to you. You do what God has called you to do and you do it to the end. And when you do it, the God of heaven will have prospered what you've put your hand to. And I'm glad that I have ran not only with the footmen, but have been able to get to this stage in my life where I'm able to see the other things the Lord wants to do. And he has good things planned for your life. He loves you. And um, he has good plans for us as a fellowship. And so it's been 28 years and the work is not done. We're just getting started. We're just getting started with what the Lord wants to do. And we're going to continue to press on. And as I, I often say, we can't wait to get rid of as many of you as we possibly can for the kingdom of God. And to send you out and to love you and support you in the work that God has called you to do in most of us are going to be part of that process of raising them up and sending them out and giving the resources to go and do that. And we'll do it together, and together we'll see the Lord um, do more great things. The worship team will come on up. We're going to close here. We love you guys. Thanks for being a part of what the Lord is doing. If you're here today and this is your first Sunday, uh, well, you got a good idea of who we are. Um, you didn't really get a good idea of what we usually do. So hopefully you'll come back next Sunday. But let's all stand together, and we're going to close with this song. Um, Father, we are grateful for the good things you've done. We worship you. We praise you. May you be honored and glorified in how we look at what you've done and how we respond to what you've done. But, Lord, we look for you to be continually honored and glorified in the new things that you have for us. And so, Lord, we just say as one voice, Lord, Give us more work to do. We'll be faithful, Lord, in your strength and your grace to run the course and to do it the way you want it done. By your grace, Lord, in your strength and the word that you've given to us, we'll do it. So, Lord, we ask, would you, would you entrust even more to us that we could plant even more churches and send out even more missionaries and see more families restored. Lord, it is for your glory and your honor. And we submit ourselves to you. We say as Isaiah... Here we are, Lord, send us into the field. Amen.